This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. What a beautiful crowd we have this morning. So good to see each and every one of you. I appreciate, appreciate so much the prayers that were mentioned on my behalf because we, because I don't and I know many others do not take this responsibility lightly. And I just pray that we can all come to God's Word with open hearts this morning. That we can come to God with, with, with a soft heart and able to be pricked by His Holy Word. This morning we're going to be talking about spiritual apathy. We see a, a man that's fallen asleep on the pews during worship. You know, apathy, it basically means to have a lack of emotion concerning something or a lack of interest. It means to basically just be indifferent or to be unconcerned. I think about young men when they're sitting in a classroom. They're looking outside at the playground. All they can think about is, is how they'd rather be outside playing versus doing their schoolwork. They're apathetic towards, towards knowledge, towards, towards applying themselves to, to bettering themselves uh, you know, in knowledge. I think about young women, how they could care less about hunting or fishing. I know there's always an exceptions, but you ask these young ladies uh, how they like processing a deer and how they like field dressing it, getting all the guts out and then, and then taking it to the house and, and, and cutting it all up. They're, they're, I don't care. That's a, that's a guy's job. Well, unfortunately, we in our spiritual lives can become apathetic. We can care little about spiritual things. And it just sneaks up on us. It's not something that, that just happens overnight. It's something that takes sometimes years uh, or months to take place. And so what we want to do is examine ourselves this morning to see if we have, if we have become apathetic uh, concerning spiritual things. I love what, what the Apostle Paul says here in Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. He says, and do this, understanding that the present time the hour has already come for you to wake out of slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. He was telling the church to wake up. They had become, uh, they had become asleep in their spiritual duties. And he says, man, the, the time is now to wake up. And so we need to examine ourselves to see maybe, maybe we need to wake up this morning. You know, most of us, we have to have an alarm clock in order to get us up out of bed in the morning. A lot of us just say, okay, I'm going to wake up at 6 o'clock. Note to self. And wake up at 6 o'clock. We have to have an alarm because we are fast asleep. And it takes that terrible noise in the morning to get us out of bed. A lot can happen, you see, when we are asleep or when we are in, uh, living a life of apathy. You know, I think about a lot of times that we like to prank others while they're sleeping because they don't know what's going on around them. They are fast asleep. You can color on dad's face all day long. 
I remember a, a prank that I did on my brother is we had a cousin that we grew up with. He trained hunting dogs. And the way that he trained hunting dogs with a, was with a shock collar. So it was a collar that he would put around this dog's uh, neck, and he had a little remote control like this, and all he had to do is push a button, and it would electrify that dog, and it would get his attention real quick, and he would do anything and everything you asked him to do. But we put that around my brother while he was sleeping, <laughs> and we went outside, and we pushed, we pushed the uh, button, and he ran outside and just gave me a big hug and said, thank you, Clint, for waking me up. No, that's not what happened at all. But we can see that sometimes while we, have been, we, while we were asleep in Christ or apathetic, unconcerned, spiritually asleep, that things can go on around us and we don't even recognize it. Brother, Brother Derek, he gave us a lot to chew on a couple of weeks ago when he started talking about abortion. And he said something in his, in his lesson that I cannot get out of my mind. And he asked this question, he says, where, where were all the Christians, where were all the Christians when 1.7 million Jews were murdered? Where were the Christians? As I began to ask myself that question, I began to do a little bit of research. There was a man that survived the Holocaust. His name is, was, a, a, I believe it, you pronounce it, Eli Wassel. He was a Holocaust survivor. And he wrote a book about his survival. He wrote a book about what took place during those times. And he was, you see, severely affected by apathy around him. This is what he said in his book. He says, the opposite of love, it's not hate, it's indifference. And again, that's a definition of apathy, indifference, unconcern, to lack emotion. He said, the opposite of art is not ugliness, it's indifferent. Indifference. He said, the opposite of faith is not heresy, it's indifference. He said the opposite of life is not death, but indifference. You see, because of apathy, his life was destroyed all around him. He happened to survive, but his life was destroyed. And he wrote about it. And you know, Brother Derek, he... He put this fact out to every one of us this, this morning, or a couple weeks back. He said 125,000 abortions take place every single day. That's 87 a minute. You can go to a website, and the, and the, and the, matter, the number of deaths is just clicking away. Ta -ta 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 That's deaths, murders. And Derek posed the question, where are the Christians? What are we doing? Have we been lulled asleep by Satan? And again, I just use this as an example because we can easily fall asleep in Christ. We can easily become apathetic in, in, the, in, the, in our duties to Jesus Christ. You know, this is one of the, Satan's number one tools that he uses. Imagine, if you will, 
a lot of us like to, to watch NASCAR, and there's this half a million dollar machine. It's how much this car cost. And in every way, it has every gadget needed to win that race. It has power, it has speed. But what Satan does is he takes that engine out, he puts a little four-banger in there, a little four-cylinder motor. And you see, even though that, that car has every aspect needed to win that race, it's, it can't do what it was designed to do because it has been drained of this motor. And the same applies to our spiritual lives. It's like Satan likes to drain our enthusiasm. He likes to drain our passion for what is right in this world. You see, we are supposed to be a city that is set on a hill and everybody sees us around us and it, it just somehow migrates towards us. That's what we were designed to do. We were supposed to be passionate about the Lord and His work, but here we are no one's following us because we have fallen asleep in Jesus Christ. We have become spiritually apathetic. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to talk about how Satan does that. You see, apathy is not the disease. You see, it's a symptom. So how Satan likes to work is he likes to use things that aren't sin and use those things against us. And so we want to look at four ways that Satan uses this morning to cause spiritual apathy in our lives. And then what we want to do after that is we want to took, look at three different ways that, that some of us, including myself, have become apathetic. And then what we want to do towards the end of the message is we want to look at what Jesus Christ thinks about apathy and how we can overcome it. So let's start by talking a little bit about how Satan uses the things of this life to cause apathy. The first thing he likes to use is something we call boredom. When I was growing up, my parents would take us to Destin, Florida. Many of you have been there. And I remember that every single year, it was like, the, like we saw the beach for the first time. Like we would come into the, the condo, we would drop all of our stuff, and the first thing we would do is we would, we, would, we would, that sliding door towards the back of the condo, we would go outside and we would just breathe in the salty air, the white sands, the emerald green waters, and we would just be in awe of God's majesty. But you see, towards the end of the vacation, We'd kind of walk by that sliding glass door and, yeah, it looked great, but it wasn't quite the same. Think about if we owned that condo. Think about if we saw that view every single day of our lives. It would become, invis it would become invisible to us, wouldn't it? You see, the grace that one time just dropped us to our knees, you see, it can become mundane. God's amazing grace. It can become mundane in our lives. You see, the Word of God that dropped you to your knees and that caused you to repent of your sins, you see, they can become hollow words, you see, if Satan allows to penetrate us. You know, familiarity is something that we all have to be mindful of. Think about our marriages, husbands and, and wives in here. Like, what makes a successful marriage? 
You've got to keep rekindling that fire over and over again. You can't just let things be or you're going to grow apart. The same thing applies to God. We have to do things to rekindle our fire. If we stop reading God's word, if we stop talking to God every morning and every day, every day at noon and every night, then what we're going to do is grow apart. Another thing he loves to do is use money. You know, money is something that we all have to have. It's a tool, isn't it? But you know, the prophet Amos, he said to the, to the Israelites in his day, he said, you lay on your beds of ivory. Beds of ivory, can you imagine? It'd be something to see, wouldn't it? I kind of want one. He said, you lay on your couches with ease. He says, you drink wines by, wine by the bucket loads because of your excess. He says, you have so much so many herds that, that, that you, you can't even have, you don't even have enough stalls for them all. You all hot? I'm about to burn up. You see, money is something that we have to have. It is a tool. Why wouldn't Satan use it to distract us? Why wouldn't he use it? This makes sense, doesn't he? He's a smart guy. We have... Cares. You know, Dwayne talked about the cares of this life this morning. How many of us put on the busy, busy badge? <laughs> How many of us say to each other, man, I'm swamped. I don't have enough time in a day to get it all done. When our brother and our sister says that to us, the next time, next time they say it, say, I will pray for you. That's what we need to say. I will pray for you. Why is it that we pack our schedule so full of things? I think it gives us a rush when we accomplish our task, doesn't it? I think it makes us feel significant. I think that's why we do it. Let us pray for one another. I think about Mary and Martha. Jesus talked about, about, about these two sisters. One was busy. One sat at the feet of Jesus. Remember Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and she just soaked up all the words that he had, that he had to say about the kingdom of God. But then there was Martha. She was doing what she was supposed to do as well, wasn't she? Someone had to, had to feed Jesus. Someone had to bring him water and a cup of coffee. That's what she was doing. She was taking care of the needs of her household, her company, being hospitable. And so she's like, I'm going to get my sister in trouble. She's like, Jesus, can you please get married to help me? I'm doing this all by myself. And he says the words to her, I want us to listen. One thing is needed. There's one thing that's needed. And your sister has chosen that one thing. See, there's a lot of things in this life that we can be busy doing. But are we choosing that one thing? The one thing is what's going to get us to heaven. There's a lot of things that are temporal. But there's one thing that's eternal. What are we busy, what are we busy doing? How many beds of ivory do we need? Think about pleasure. I think you guys are getting the gist of this. We spend six hours of our time, six hours a day, on average, whether it be television, surfing the internet, on our phones, playing video games, media-related. Six hours a day is what we choose. And so we can understand how in the last days Paul warns us that can, people can be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So we can see that if we choose pleasure 
six hours a day and choose 30 minutes to give to God, we can see how we can become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We understand that, don't we? So again, all these things are not wrong in themselves, are they? But you see, Satan's so intelligent that he uses these things to distract us from that which is important, that one thing. So let's look at ourselves this morning. When we come to God's Word, we always got to hold that mirror up, you know, in front of us. That's what God's Word, you know, is to do. So let's look and see if we may be failing in some of our responsibilities to God. The first thing that we want to look at, our area of life that we can become apathetic in, is towards our neighbor. You know, Jesus said the words, he said, I want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, there was a, a wife that she, her husband went missing. She looked for him everywhere. She couldn't find him. And so she went to the police station and she said, can you please help me find my husband? And, and the, the policeman asked her the question, okay, so when did he go missing? She's like, two weeks ago. It's like, okay, so why are you just now bringing this to our attention? It's like, well, he gets paid today. <laughs> we sometimes say we care for our neighbor, but in all reality, we, we only care about what they can offer us, you know, in return. You know, Jesus talked a lot about apathy when it comes to our neighbor. You know, we remember the, the time that this guy was traveling. He was in a distant land. He didn't know anyone in this land. And he was traveling along just doing his business. It'd be like Derek going up to Missouri. Uh, you know, that's not his land up there. That's not his home territory. He doesn't know anyone up there. But he's up there doing a conference. And so while he's up there, thieves come and uh, they robs him and strips him of his clothes and beats him half to death. And he's laying in the, in the street. But he, Jesus talks about how this priest sees this man that's half dead has no clothes on, been robbed, has nothing. He's laying there in the gutter, sees them, decides to walk on the other side of the street. Just kind of pretend like he doesn't know them. I think about, then he talks about how this Levi actually looks over at this man, sees the condition that he is in, and then keeps on walking. You see, these men, they didn't have concern about this man, did they? They didn't care about this man. So they kept on going. You see, that's where Satan wants us. He doesn't want us to love our neighbor as ourselves, does he? He doesn't want that. Because if he can cause that unconcern in our heart about our neighbor, then he's won. Now, who is our neighbor? Think about the first person that comes to my mind, if we're married, it's our spouse. It's our spouse. But how, how many times do we, just, do we just do the bare minimum? How many times do we just get busy in like the things that we just discussed and we let our marriage just kind of go by the wayside? You know, to today, we find that there are 16,800 divorces per week. 876,000 divorces a year. Why? because of apathy. See, what happens is the new wears off. 
We once, we once closed the door and turned the exhaust fan on at one point in our marriage, and then after that, we just leave the door open. Like, we just don't care anymore. We don't put any effort into it anymore. And so things happen. And that familiarity takes place. That boredom takes place. And then people start looking outside the marriage. You think about social media, how we put our perfect lives out there. How that can be a huge distraction. What does it mean to love our neighbor? I think about our children. Sometimes when it comes to our children, that we just kind of give up with them. We're like, ah, throw them some, throw them some scraps here and there and just hold for the best. Happens to us all. We, we, we become just unconcerned. We just don't care anymore because we get distracted. But unfortunately, in the U.S. of A., suicides amongst teens is a tenth leading cause of death. Tenth, suicide. Our kids aren't okay. I think about 66% of young adults are leaving the church as soon as they leave the house. Our children are not okay. But yet, we just go through life like, oh, it'll all work out. Where is our concern? It's time to not be indifferent about them. We are to love them as we do ourselves. Our neighbors are brother and sister in Christ. It is the people out in the world. I think about James 2, 5 and 15 and 16. It says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? What doth it profit? Be warmed and filled. You'll be okay. Because of this mindset that James warned us of, 153 million children worldwide are orphans. Who is our neighbor? How far does a need have to be before it becomes insignificant? I think about Jesus' words. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you, you cursed, into everlasting life, prepared for the devils and his angels. That doesn't sound very nice, does it? This is Jesus talking. Who's he talking about? For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. What are we doing for the hungry? What are we doing for those that don't have good drinking water? What are we doing for those that don't have clothing or shelter? The need is there. 2.2 billion do not have clean drinking water. There's about 7 billion, they say, upon the earth. That's how many don't have clean drinking water. We just waste it and let it go down the drain. Leave the water running. Take 50-minute showers. 
805 million today don't have enough food to be properly nourished. This is the people that Jesus was talking about. Inasmuch as you did it not unto the least of these, you did it not unto me. Why did Jesus make us the, one of the richest countries in the world? How far does a need have to be before it becomes unimportant to us? Another way that we be, can become apathetic is when it comes to the kingdom of God. Pretty church, isn't it? You want to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 14 through 19. I love these passages of Scripture because this is Elijah's last sermon. The last sermon he would ever give. When we look at the last words of someone, they typically become important. I think about Jesus' last words. Remember what they were? This is Elijah's last sermon. Elijah had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and he wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Elijah said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows, and he, took, and he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elijah put his hands on the king's hands, and he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. And Elijah said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrows of the Lord's deliverance and the arrows of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till, they have been, till you have destroyed them. And then he said, Take the arrows. Listen to this. Take the arrows. So he took them. He said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times, and he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Here's this young king going to this, this prophet named Elijah. And that he leaned upon his, on his closeness to God, looked upon him as, as a leader. He says, please help me with this Syria. This was their adversary. And they outnumbered God's people. They were a very, very wicked and terrible adversary. And King Joash knew that they would lose without God. So he goes to, the, to, to uh, Elijah says, help me. So he said, okay. I want you to take the arrows that are in your quiver. For every arrow that you put in the ground, that's how many victories that you will have. But you see, King Joash, he only put three arrows. He had more arrows. He could have had more victories. But you see, he just was indifferent about it. He was indifferent about becoming victorious, about claiming the victory that he could have had if only he had faith. You see, we can become very apathetic when it comes to the works of the Lord. I think about the, the things that Moses said in Numbers 32 and 6. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war 
and you just sit here. <laughs> Moses was upset. He said, are you just going to sit there and do nothing while your brethren fight for you? You should be right there beside them. You know, I think about the kingdom of God. And sometimes we, as, as a congregation, we see our needs there in a home. And but we use our, those, those we use, basically we use our home as a crutch. We're like, well, I've got to take care of my spouse. I've got to take care of my children's needs. And that's, that's the most important thing. And that's true. But you see, they use it as a crutch and they only take care of their own. Only take care of their own. They don't look past to the kingdom of God, you see, is eternal. Kingdom of God is eternal. And there is work to be done. But yet we just kind of sit back and sit there and let other people do the work of the Lord, the work in the kingdom. We're just like, well, I've got to take care of my family's needs. You know, I just think about all the things, you know, like here at this local congregation. It's like, whose job is it to change these air filters? Who does that? When a light bulb goes out, who, who changes those light bulbs? Who is that person that pays the electric bill? Who does that? Who goes and deposits some money or contribution? Who pays the evangelist? Who fills up the baptistry and empties it and cleans it? Who goes and buys the, the, the glass cleaner for the windows? You think about all the needs. Whose responsibility is that? Whose responsibility? Which one of you ladies that are mature in your faith, which one of you, which, who is, who's responsible for teaching the younger women? That's not saying mothers teach daughters. That's saying aged women teach the younger women how to, how to be proper uh, wives and, and uh, mothers to their, to their family. Which one of you men is going to take care of the spiritual needs of the congregation? Whose job is that? Like, do we just sit back and like someone else to take care of that? Is, that? is that how we do things? Are we like, like Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Are we like Philip? We're running to the work of the Lord saying we're ready to be used for God's kingdom. We become apathetic when it comes to worship. And when we drop our kids off at school, we have to be there on time, don't we? We're dropping them off. Like if we drop them off late every day, we're going to be getting a call from the principal and the teacher. Like, hey, tardiness is not okay. If we continually show up to work late, what's that employer going to do? He's let us go. They expect us to be there on time. If we're continuously late, you see, to the worship of God, then there may be unconcern there. There may be a lack of interest. Maybe a lack of priority. 
The same applies with, with attendance. If you find yourselves continuously not going to fellowship or not going to worship, then maybe, maybe you have apathy. I think about the Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, when we miss fellowships and worship, basically we're telling our brothers and sisters in Christ that we don't care for them. We are causing discouragement to others. Because this is what the Bible says, not what Clint says. It says you have a lack of concern. You are apathetic. All you care is about your schedule and your needs. But here your brother and sister are becoming discouraged because of your absence. So you see, attendance is something that we can, we can use to help us gauge to whether or not we're spiritually apathetic. Sometimes... You know, it's, it's how we go about worship. I remember sitting as a young man, and uh, the church was quiet. You know how it does? It gets really quiet right before time. Not so much here at this place. But <laughs> we have to force everybody to sit down. But a lot of congregations, it gets really quiet about the time that services start. And all of a sudden, this guy pops up real loud. He's like, well, the cowboys are about to kick off any minute now. I'll just never forget that. Like, where was his heart? It was not on God. It was not on giving the praises to our Heavenly Father for, for His thanksgiving. You know, sometimes we come here, we kind of go through the motions, but our, our heart's far away. Sometimes you can hear it even in the singing. You know, like, you can hear it. I appreciated what uh, I believe it was Dane said this morning. Like, man, let's pop it up a little bit. God said to sing loudly. Sing loudly. That's what should just come forth. Because we're so full of thanksgivings for our Heavenly Father, for how much He has blessed us in our lives. We're so full of thanksgiving for the grace and the hope and the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness and gets us out of this God-forsaken world. Sometimes we can just whisper these songs out, mumble our way through it. Sometimes when God's Word is being spoken, we're coloring and playing around and on our phones. Sometimes this is a gauge to see where our heart is at. Jesus talks about the church at Laodicea. You see, they had become spiritually apathetic. They were full of apathy. He called them lukewarm, another term for it. This is Jesus' words in Revelations 3, 14 and 20. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. 
I would thou were cold or hot. So that because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door, and I knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. And I will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also have overcome, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You see, Jesus took apathy, looked at apathy in a very serious manner. He said, if you continue in this, he said, I will spew you out of my mouth. Paul said that the time is short. And he gives us specific instructions here if we find ourselves in an apathetic state. He said, first, buy of me gold tried by fire. He says, you have spent your life investing in all the wrong things. You have invested in money, chased after it. You've chased after pleasures. You've chased after the cares of life. But he says, you are miserable and wretched and blind. By a me, that one thing needed that Jesus reminded Martha about. By a me, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first that. You see, this is what I offer you is that treasure hidden in the field. You need to sell all that you have and purchase this. Because you see, this is eternal. Everything else you see is temporal. And he says, I want you to put on ISAV. Spiritual eyesight, so that you can see, so that you can hear. You know, I'm reminded of, of the prodigal son. You remember how he left the church, he left the kingdom of God, and he went on a distant journey? Remember how he did that? And he lost everything. He lost all of his inheritance. Remember that? When he lost everything, that didn't wake him up. That didn't cause him to be able to see. He was still blind. When he had to go to work for, for a hog farmer, that still didn't wake him up. That was the most despised profession amongst the Jews. But you see, when he was down on his hands and knees in the mud and mire of a hog pen, all of a sudden he remembered. He remembered and he woke up. How many of my hired my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Wake up. Realize that you are poor and wretched and blind and miserable. And then he says to zealously repent. Not tomorrow, but today. Remember the parable of the ten foolish virgins, or the, the parable of the foolish virgins and how five of them how Jesus came and five of them were asleep you remember that they were asleep 
And they run and they bang on the door and say, let me in, Jesus, let me in. He says, I don't know you. I don't know you. You see, they tarried. They tarried to do what they needed to do, what was important. And so what happened is they missed out. Missed out. Paul said it best. He said, seek out your salvation with fear and trembling. Seek out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's how important it is. We're talking about eternity. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. This morning we have held up God's Word in front of us as a mirror. This morning you have found your, you found you found yourself with spiritual apathy. Jesus says, "Be zealous and repent." Zealous and repent. Because you've got to keep that light burning. We've got to be ready. Jesus talked about a parable. He said how there was going to be a marriage. And he sent all of his servants out to go into, to, to the whole town and invite as many people as you can. And so he sent these servants out to come to this wedding. But all these people, after getting invited, they're like, eh, I don't think I want to go. Don't think I'm interested. They didn't care. But you see, this wedding is the wedding feast of Jesus Christ and the church. And there are those they have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. You said, I, I'm not really interested. But you see, those people were destroyed. They missed out. They banged on the door, and it was too late. It's high time to wake out of sleep. Whether you, whether you haven't obeyed the gospel or whether you have obeyed the gospel and you've drifted away, like now is the time. Do something about it. Thank you so much for your kind attention. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.